This is Application Paranoia, episode 11. Welcome again to Application Paranoia, our podcast about application security, DevSecOps, and AppScan. This is our twice-monthly discussion around technical insights, assorted facts, and the latest news from the world of HL AppScan. I'm Colin Bell. Yet again, I have my colleagues Rob Cuddy and Chris Stewart. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about the many exciting things in AppScan 10.02, which is released this week. We'll grab another best practice tip from Chris, and we'll also be talking to Steve Mason, who is a nationally known sporting broadcaster and radio presenter. Exciting stuff. So how are you, Rob? Yeah, um, generally speaking, doing doing pretty good. You know, we're, we're knee-deep in the whole distance learning thing uh, with school, so that's a, a fun bit, and we're just all kind of waiting to see if things are going to open up, if we're going to go back to any kind of a hybrid model and folks will be in school. But uh, no, generally speaking, we're doing pretty well. So. My son's studying in the Netherlands, and he, he literally had exams in August, had one week's break, and now he's into the next year. So it's wow. just like... Wow. You know, Dang. So it's like... You know, no rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they were kind of locked down when they didn't need to be. And then, oh, right. Uh, that's, that's right. All, it's all a bit silly. And Chris, how are you? Yeah, we're doing good. We're also doing the distance learning with uh, one of mine, and it's it's definitely different. The whole Zoom meeting this and Zoom meeting that. Oh my goodness! I mean, I think ninety percent of our teachers don't even know what Zoom is or what a computer is, so it's an interesting challenge. Yeah, and they have to tell her this is where you press this button, <laughs> or there's the ten second lag, just staring at the camera, and then all of a sudden, hello, students. Yeah. They don't know how to cut the cut the ten seconds off of the video of them just staring at it. You nice. know, a little five second outro where they're just staring. <laughs> That's, uh, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, for some of them, the student has become the teacher. Yeah, right? it really is that way now. It seems it's crazy. <laughs> it must be hard. It really yeah, must be hard. It's, it's a huge challenge. I mean, my kids in our senior year in high school. I can only imagine what it's like for folks with young ones that have to do this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, well, all our all our schools went back on time, so you know, no, as you know, I've been running every every morning, but now I have to go earlier because the schools are everywhere. There's traffic, and oh, they, they, they they're all socially distancing going into the schools. It's just bizarre. It's really bizarre. So, wow, desperate times. Wow, wow. Hey, did, is your streak intact though, or did that whole Garmin thing, you know, no, kind of blow no, no, that no, up? no. No, no, that's completely intact. You know, no, it's, no, that didn't that didn't stop it. It just meant that I couldn't get the data for a few days. So, uh, no, no. okay. So you're up to what? You're got to be approaching two hundred by now, right? I'm at one hundred and sixty-seven today. Runs oh, wow. Wow. Um, so, so closing in on six months of running. That's a, excellent. There's a lot of running. <laughs> well, if, if I went consecutive, I'd be at uh, three. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is one day of running in a row. This is one day of running in a row. <laughs> yes. and, the, and, and the average just the average is around 14 kilometers at this stage. Yeah. So it's not like it's just, oh, I'll run for a kilometer and then claim it. 
none of that yeah. going on. <laughs> that's right. So doing quick math in my head, that's what, nine miles? <laughs> yeah, but nah, it's a bit less. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, close, yeah probably close to nine miles. Yeah. Almost nine miles, yeah. So I didn't have a fun fact, but I wanted to have a discussion on collective nouns. I always like collective nouns, you know. So collective nouns, just so you know, have been circulating in English since I looked this up, since 1486, when wow. the book, book of St. Albans included them in 165 collective names. And it had things like a melody of harpers, a sentence of judges, and a drunk ship of cobblers. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, and the, like, what do you have to piss off if you're a cobbler to get drunk ship as your collective? <laughs> There's like Bob from 1484 who's just like, you know what? The heck with those cobblers. They're getting a drunk ship. That's, that's probably the same guy in Australia who named you Shylock. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it could be. It could be. But some collective nouns are also very well established, and we don't realize it. So there's an army of soldiers, a troop of scouts, a, right. chest, of, a chest of drawers is yep. one, a swarm yep. of bees, crew of sailors, a murder of crows. Yeah, yeah that one. A murder of crows. crows. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take it on because I, I think we need to have some collective nouns for security vulnerabilities, you know, the, oh, you know let's, let's nice. take it up a notch. And I came up with some, you know, so, so here's, here's some suggestions, you know, so maybe, maybe worthy, maybe not, but for sequel injection, how about a, a jeopardy of sequel injections? <laughs> what is submitting these in your phone? <laughs> I'll tell you, this has been around for too long for 100, Alex. Yes. <laughs> or, or how about a bewilderment of cross-eyed scripting? <laughs> Why? Why is it still here? <laughs> exactly. These are apt. These yes. words. Yes. A, a, a rash of phishing attacks. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good one, actually. I think that one. <laughs> Do you have <laughs> And my favorite so far, a fudge of log forges. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Oh, it's like bathroom humor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it could be. It could be. It could be. Yeah, but no one's done it, so we can claim it. I mean, there you go. we're going to add it. This book yes. of collective names now has 169. Yes. <laughs> Almost we, as many as, uh, or just a little bit more than you've been running. Turns we can out. make uh, an application paranoia dashboard and use yeah. these as categories. That would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That would be cool. You know, it's it's funny, though, that you bring this up, Colin, because uh, the thing that, that I was really into this week, I, I, I work with junior hires a lot, and uh, we kind of had a kickoff meeting for some of that. And one of the things that we talked about was junior high lingo and terminology, uh, right, to, to be current. And it's interesting because when you talk about a rash of phishing attacks to a junior hire, uh, <laughs> rash actually is the way that you make fun of someone. So this, this, there may actually be some appropriateness around tying that. Um, so that's uh, that's actually really good. So, Use the vernacular of the yes, day. Exactly. We're gonna cancel sequel injections. Exactly. Yes, and uh, you know, but um, but some of the other ones that were really fun, like uh, do you know what the phrase "no cap" means? No. No. So I, it's apparently it's I'm I'm serious. I'm telling the truth. I'm I'm not lying. So you know, I guess that's that's no cap. Um, that was, <laughs> was, was fascinating <laughs> and stuff like that. And then of course you know we've all heard about things like taking the L or maybe if you've been around a teenager, uh, you've heard them. My daughter does this quite a bit too. Uses the word extra. 
to just describe anything that's over the top or excessive. Um, it's so extra, right? Like, so like wicked. This like, not, yeah, it's not the same as wicked. Wicked yeah. is a compliment. Yeah, it's <laughs> extra is like it's a little negative kind of. Oh, it's w- wicked that's, extra. But... Wicked extra would be ironically <laughs> a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Did it they cancel each other out in that case? I don't know. Unless they were wicked extra rashing. I mean, yeah. Be, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, that's could, terrible. <laughs> but my, my favorite, I found uh, there's a term called gunitis. And uh, this is, uh, I'll just read it to you because it's really funny. It's a disease that's caught by those who attend Gun High School in Palo Alto, uh, which is outside the Bay Area. And the symptoms generally start to appear in the junior year, although they may be present as early as sixth grade in some cases. Short-term effects include mad AP classes as well as extracurriculars, caffeine addiction, intense sleep deprivation, a triple book schedule, no time for family and friends, chronic talking online at 5 a.m. while doing homework. The long-term effects include acceptance to Stanford in severe cases, heart disease, and they're bringing on mentality regarding life that will haunt you to your grave. I was like, somebody put this in as a definition, and I was like, that's outstanding. So... Well, it's, I got one thing that I'm curious how how you all deal with it, um, and that's the work voice that your spouse hears. Does she hear your work <laughs> voice? And if so, does she hate it or does she like it? Because mine is not a fan. <laughs> I sound like a totally different person, evidently. I I, I tend to not be in the in in the vicinity of mine when I'm talking. So <laughs> <laughs> avoid yeah. like the plague, right? Just it's yep. just a different me at work. It's a curious thing. Is uh the whole work from home thing. I generally work, you know, outside on the porch and away from her. So when I'm on calls and such, she doesn't hear it. But on occasion, you know, when they order food or some such, I have to come inside and she disappears. <laughs> Goes out of her way to say, no, 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 I don't need to hear this. Give us a blast of the real Chris then, yeah? <laughs> yeah, the real Chris is not so official. <laughs> you know, smart sounding. He's just a regular dude. <laughs> he's he's so, so formal. Yes. <laughs> so you, uh, you, you're you're being prim and proper for us. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes. Yes. I'm 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 raising my level. I'm wicked wicked proper right now. Wicked proper. <laughs> <laughs> you might even say extra. <laughs> so let's talk about AppScan news because we have loads of AppScan news. Yes. Loads. Oh my goodness gracious. Would you say we have a plethora? Yeah, we have a cornucopia. <laughs> we might even have a murder of news. A murder of news, wow. <laughs> or a mischief, I guess, if you're rats. A mischief. Well, yeah. So for the ASOC, we had two releases, one on the 6th and one on the 9th. So the 9th that also coincides with when we all, all our major releases. Um only a couple of little things re- related to that. So I think we can cover that quickly, Chris, yeah, with, with ASOC. In yeah. yeah, so there's some DAST engine updates that are in our on-prem offerings, which we'll talk about in a bit, but they put those changes and updates in the cloud scanner too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of new stuff that it's looking for now. I mean, there's not a whole lot on the, the news page, and certainly there's a link to what that list actually is, and it's pretty extensive. Uh, but yeah. we just put a little blurb on on ASOC itself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the the, the big news is, of course, we've our ten zero two release, and that's for AppScan Enterprise, it's a big one. AppScan Source, and also AppScan Standard. So the, the our main on premise tools. So we can pick these away one at a time. Um, AppScan Enterprise. What? 
What's what's notable in this? Yeah, aside from a lot. <laughs> uh, besides a lot, <laughs> there's the new I asked uh, application security testing uh, support that they added to it. It's I think a technology pre yeah technology preview. So it's something you can try out on prem. Used to be only available in the cloud, which is really cool. I mean this. This little utility is really powerful, what it can do. We had the obviously the overview of that earlier in one of our episodes on IAST. And yeah. It, it's now on-prem, and the preview means that anyone who has AppScan Enterprise can use it for, for a period of time for, I guess, for free. It, it becomes part of that, and they can evaluate it and work with it. So. Yeah, and it's you know, defense in depth. Make sure you cover as much as you can with the tools you have. There's stuff that... I asked will find very easily that even Dast or SAS can't find. Uh, just just like SAS can find things Dast can't, and Dast can find things that SAS can't. The whole Venn diagram of things that you can find, the more circles you add to it, the better off you're going to be. Might need to have a little revisit of that in, in the next episode and talk about how that gets set up and whatever. But, but I, I believe it's fairly straightforward as well. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, some Angular application support for for enterprise or our dast engine which is good because uh, angular applications are a little bit different than normal normal <laughs> applications and how they're written and how they're run uh, so you have to have you know some special handling to, to manage that stuff aws authentication support woohoo uh, so that's pretty good i mean pretty important if you're going to be doing stuff on aws a lot of security improvements um specifically the robot attack and forward secrecy ghost cat uh, new information leakage issues. That, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on about what they're looking for now. So tons of new stuff that's, you know, that it's looking for that's available with the on-prem, but also in the cloud, as you heard earlier, it's using the same engine. So woohoo, we're going to so find would, a lot of new stuff. Would we have a scare of ghost cat vulnerabilities? Would that be what we'd use? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a grouping <laughs> oh my goodness or would it would it be what is it what's a, a nice one <laughs> what did the cobbler get <laughs> a drunk ship of vulnerabilities that it's looking for now <laughs> yeah wow that's pretty extra yeah. <laughs> sad oh uh, but yeah silent install support which is good uh, if you want to be able to send it out to a bunch of places very easily and then, of course, Jenkins plugin compatibility, which, you know, a lot of people use Jenkins to make stuff work. So that's a good a good thing to add. Super. And, and AppScan source is very close and dear to you, as we know. Very, um, very dear, yeah. There's a lot of changes. Um, most notably for us, and this is a big deal, uh, we removed SolidDB. We don't use that anymore. Instead, we now use the ASE database. And for those who don't really know what this means, that means the entirety of the factory markup is now local to the system. We're not retrieving it from, you know, Germany when we're in the U.S., which traditionally yeah. ever. So the data. Now there, the there data are customers who really have a problem. There are customers have a real problem with that when they have a lot of rules. You know. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's, it's huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. Uh, the whole changing of how we did all of that, how we store it, and all of that business, and. Now we only store the stuff you need to store, the stuff you share. Everything else, everybody's the same, so why store it in a database? So it's a lot yeah. easier, it's a lot quicker, and that's part and parcel for what we get with the common engine that we put in uh, two releases ago. We get to start making these kinds of improvements where we can make the whole quality of life so much better, so much more consistent, and just easier. Now, but along so with that... So one of the, work, one of the workflows that, that I always liked with um, AppScan Source 
and it really didn't work because of solid db was the fact that you could share the assessments yeah. you know with you know save the assessments to app scan source and you'd share them amongst yourself and it worked for small cases but really blew up at scale so does that yeah. mean that that capability is now you know something that can happen for yeah, oh, yeah. The, I mean, the sharing of assessments, the sharing of filters, the sharing of scan configs, et cetera, et cetera, those won't get stored in SolidDB anymore. They're going to get stored in ASC. So only the stuff you need to share gets put there. Yeah, so you can now share, you know, yeah. hundreds of uh, assessments and pass yeah. them around. Yeah, that, that, that's phenomenal because that, that is a really good workflow. It just didn't work on SolidDB. Cool. No, and it was super confusing because you had published a source and published ASC and all that nonsense. Yeah, um, yeah. But now it's it's pretty much the, the same, but it's being stored in ASC. So it's a true client server environment in that regard, as opposed yeah. to what it was before, which was a little bit weird, like, you know, client server, client server. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> a little bit different. So we're, we're making strides to make the whole environment work in an enterprise level, which is, you know, pretty important for an enterprise tool. Uh, and then certainly that gives us a new capability, which is disconnected AppScan source, something that we have now where you can just run it as a pen tester or as somebody who doesn't need to have access to ASE, you can run source on your own. And there you go, off we go to the races. Uh, so that's kind of a, a, a starting point to us being able to get this in the hands of pen testers and to have them uncover some of the code that might be there or uncover some of the problems that might be there just using AppScan source. So, so in disconnected mode, where do where do the rules come from? Are they you not connecting to solid DV? So, what are you connecting to? Yeah, and that's that's the benefit we get since the the rules don't change. Factory rules are factory rules. They're pretty well. They're not pretty set in stone. They are set in stone for every release. So, everybody that's got ten o two will have the same set of factory rules as part I of the see, engine. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. you know a benefit of that common engine that we talked about. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Oh, that's that's exciting, and I know that's that it's really exciting because there are definitely there's definitely cases where you don't necessarily need enterprise just to use you know a static scanner. You know, so that, right. that, 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 that'll, it'll definitely be of benefit. Sure. Yeah. And, and when you think about some of the things that we were talking about with continuous security and bringing in some of the audit capabilities, right? Yes. Yeah. If you've got pen testers that are able to do this independently and that information can now more easily flow back into what people are doing, that's a big deal. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, we have two tools now. You have AppScan Standard, yeah. which has kind of acted this way for quite a while now. And now AppScan Source, which can act this way. You can just put them on a system separate and apart from any ASE out there and do your analysis, do your checking. And then, of course, do whatever it is you do for pen testing, you know, proper. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and the, the final one, I guess, is AppScan Standard, which also gets uh, a 10.02 release. Um, yep. Yes. So a lot of the, the same stuff that we got from Enterprise, all the Angular support, the AWS authentication, the security improvements are, you know, our drunk ship of ghost cat vulnerabilities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and of course, updates and, and et cetera. So it's, I mean, it's kind of a big release for us um, yeah. again this year. This is the third one, I think, this year. It, but you see the benefit there of having the same engine that yeah, it, it's, it, it rolls to both. And that's, uh, we start to see those things with source, I guess, soon with. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, right. So. And it's a beautiful thing because now, you know, aggregating that information together becomes more, more uh, seamless, you know, bubbling stuff up to folks becomes more seamless. Like visibility and transparency are huge. Right? And so it's great to see that, that we're moving in that direction. 
Yeah, it lets us put a little bit more effort slowly but surely into the stuff that's not just we got to do the same work twice, but now we can do the work once and then do something else instead of the same work twice. So it's starting to buy time back for us with this move. And yeah. we're starting to see some dividends from it. Uh, notably with you know the new language support, it's going to be a little bit behind the cloud because we can pump them out in the cloud pretty quickly. Uh, but on-prem for everything that's been out in the cloud as we're developing gets put into on-prem too. So yeah, we're catching up. That's awesome. It's wicked awesome. Wicked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So the so the the next section, I guess, Chris is, you know, we're, we've continued. You talked to us about um, SQL injection and cross-site scripting. Um, do you have anything else that we can maybe dig a little bit deeper in and best practice-wise? Yeah, today we are going fishing. <laughs> fishing, near and dear to my heart. A rash of fishing. A rash of fishing. This isn't going to be a bait and switch, is it? This is not going to be a bait and switch, or it might be. You don't know. Yeah. Can, can you trust me? Who knows? Can you trust me? <laughs> but yeah, we're going to talk about what fishing is and why it's so bad out there in the world today. Uh, but basically, at a 50,000-foot overview, fishing is someone trying to get something from you using something you're familiar with. So examples of this is say emails. You might get an email that comes in and says, oh my goodness, you've gotten a $400 charge on your card. Thank you for your purchase. And you're like, you panic. You go immediately to amazon.com from the link that's in that email or wherever you might be shopping from. We'll, we'll pretend it's you know somewhere, you know, joebobsdiscountstore.com or whatever it is. <clears throat> you go there, you enter your username and password, but you're not entering it in your site. You're entering it in the attacker's site. They get your username and password. Now they can log in to, you know, joebobdiscount.com as you and start buying all the stuff and having it sent to them. So the problem is with phishing, it looks so similar to what you would normally expect from these companies. And it tries to incite your panic mode or your response mode or your, can you help me with this mode? Because people are people. We are the vulnerabilities. The most vulnerable pieces of things that are out there is us. And that's what phishing goes after. It goes after the people vulnerability, the social engineering. Uh, so for, for us to think about it, these are there are about five different common ways that they can attack you, uh, such as email phishing that we just talked about. And they try to incite you to click on links in that email or to even open the email in some cases. Uh, whaling, uh, which I think is funny. <laughs> whaling. Whaling, yeah. Where you're trying to impersonate a, a senior level partner to, to build that trust to say, well, I'm, you know, Bob, the C CTO from down the hall for this project. What about this project? I need to get some information from you. I need to access your GitHub. I need to see this, that, or the other thing about your company. And you start to build that trust just because you appear to be somebody from within the same company at a high level and you try to get the other people at a high level to give you IP or to give you money or to you know sign checks or whatever it might be. So whaling is an interesting one. It's kind of similar to the next one, but it's a very, very specific. So, so, so we could have a bloat of whaling attacks. <laughs> a bloat of whaling attacks. Yes. <laughs> oh, bloat. <laughs> right. But spearfishing I think is my favorite one. 
because this one's very targeted to a very specific group of people and they are incredibly hard to identify and recognize. Uh, so for example, a lot of companies do spear phishing within themselves just to see how susceptible people might be to clicking on links. And yeah. I know some of them look just so realistic and you don't even think about clicking on the link. You hover over it and of course it's a different website than the link says it it's going to, you know, go to Google to check this out. And it's not Google, it's, it's you know, Google in or uh, int or something weird that's not quite google and you don't really see it you don't really read it too quick uh, so right. spear phishing is difficult and they do look exactly the same as your trusted source so be careful uh and then my my honorable mentions are vishing and smishing vishing <laughs> vishing yes, yes with a v v for victory uh, but vishing is effectively phishing but over the phone where you might get a call that says, you know, this is the FBI calling. I actually got one of these the other day. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. The FBI is calling me. Oh, it's important. exactly. You have an active warrant for your arrest. I do. Wow. <laughs> Say it isn't so. <laughs> or like maybe, maybe if you use your normal voice, yeah. it would be true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a robot talking to you or some nonsense. But so keep in mind, they're trying to incite your fear response or your panic response or your, I want to help my people around me response. They're trying to get the human nature in you to react to what they're saying. So if the FBI is not going to call you until you have a warrant, they're going to show up at your damn door with the warrant. <laughs> exactly. So just take a moment. Think about what these people are saying. Control the panic. Increasing uh, <laughs> is the same thing through SMS. It's, it, you know, text messages. Yeah. Uh, so they'll do the same thing there. Oh my goodness. Thank you for your $400 purchase. You are the best. And of course, you didn't make the $400 purchase, so you panic and you go and you say, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and, and I would say, you know, one of the most vulnerable populations to this kind of stuff is uh, the senior community, right? So For senior sure. citizens, and stuff like that. So if you have, you know, uh, elderly parents or grandparents, um, you know, this these, they're a target for this kind of stuff because unfortunately for things like Medicare, you know, doctor's offices, right? People are impersonating and doing a lot of that kind of phishing and uh, well, really the vishing, right? In that space where uh, they'll say, hey, your social security number has been compromised or, um, you know, you've got a, a lien on your property or, or things like that where you're, you're trying to incite that response because they've grown up over the years dealing with things over the phone. So of course it would make yeah. sense, right? It's dangerous. Um, and that's not to exclude other people. We're right. all targets oh, and no, we're, we're all, targets, all victims yeah. sometimes. So yeah, while the elderly community is definitely at high, high risk, everybody else is, it's like one, one, a, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're right behind them. Right. But beyond that, don't trust links in email. Never. If you can help it, trust links in email. Instead, if they say you've got suspicious activity in your account, log here, just go to that website, log in normally, see if that suspicious activity pans out. Don't trust emails. Don't trust calls. Don't trust things. If you're getting a call from a company supposedly identified as a company, it could be off by one number. You don't know. And if it looks recognizable enough, you might answer some questions that they're going to ask you, such as, well, that's interesting. What uh, what about some secret questions? What was your make and model of your first car? Just to confirm you're you. Don't give them that. <laughs> and for the love of all that's good and holy, stop answering. What was the name of your first pet on Facebook? <laughs> Just stop it. 
<laughs> I've seen so many of those, and just so many people say, "Well, my first favorite breed was a husky." <laughs> That's a secret question. Don't answer that. What's your favorite color? <laughs> yeah, just don't stop it. <laughs> just be yeah. careful. Be safe. Don't trust anyone if you can help it. It just takes an extra moment of time to go to that website and log in as opposed to clicking the link. You saved what? A single click? Is it worth it? I don't know. Very good. Very good. Uh, our guest this week is Steve Mason. Steve is a nationally known broadcaster and radio personality. Uh, in 2019, Steve established the Culture Pop podcast. Uh, and since 2004, Steve has co-hosted the nationally broadcast Mason in Ireland, which is the number one rated sports show here in Los Angeles. Steve's also co-hosted nationally the Late Late Show with Tom Snyder. He's anchored Good Day LA on KTTV for uh, Fox 11 in LA. He's hosted Morning Drive Radio on WNU in New York and has anchored seven different Olympic games. Man, that's pretty cool. Uh, for NBC and Westwood One, he's the longtime president of Flagship Theaters, owner of as many as 26 screens in Southern California, including the celebrated Cinemas Palm Door in Palm Desert, California. He's got a wide variety of interests, including sports, movies, television, business, politics, books. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today, man. We're glad to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rob. Steve, I think uh, just to kind of kick off the discussion, I think most of our listeners would be really interested in kind of knowing just the applications that are used in sports. And so what are some of the things that you kind of do and that teams are doing, athletes are using uh, every day to kind of get the job done? Where does technology kind of well, intersect? Well, I think, you know, now, particularly in baseball, we're seeing an incredibly uh, common use of analytics. And the analytics are very, very specific. Like, for mm -hmm. example, one of the big things right now is launch angle, which means, right. you know, at what angle are you swinging the bat? Um, there's another one uh, called uh, hard drive rate. In other words, there are a lot of times you hit the ball really hard, but you hit it at somebody. So right. in, in analytics thinking, uh, hitting the ball hard is what you've got to do, and eventually it's going to fall for you. So those are like two examples of analytics and sports. Uh, where they're where they're really using advanced stuff that goes beyond just a, a, a radar gun, which has always been used. Right, right. And you know, it's funny. You and I were around right in the McGuire Sosa, you know, sure. epic number of years ago. Nobody was talking launch angles at that point. Nope. Right. Everybody was just talking sixty-one and who was going to get there first. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, so I got to ask, so I'm curious, right, where the uh, stuff is really intersected. I know just from listening to you, uh, I think it was game four, if I remember right, maybe game five of the Portland series, you were yeah. a virtual fan. Yes, so, I was. So what was that experience like and kind of how did that work? Well, you know, really what happened was in the same way I'm sitting here with you guys, I was sitting there with a screen, my camera on and watching the game and the idea was they capture your reaction to the game as you're sitting there so really it, it amounted to sitting in front of the computer while watching the game and it worked now i never saw myself 
Uh, but I was there. I was there. I was absolutely there. Um, I never got on the jumbotron. Exactly. Kiss cam or whatever else they do in the games. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't have a virtual kiss cam. That would be, that would be a wild addition, would wouldn't it? inside of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that the uh, the virtual fan experience is having any impact? Well, I think it's having an impact on the game itself. You know, it's funny about about the games. Like the NFL started on Sunday. Right. After about 10 minutes, you forget that there's not a crowd there because they do a good job of mixing sort of a crowd sound effect that's enough, uh, but isn't like deafening by any uh, by any stretch. And the same thing I think goes for the NBA. You forget that there aren't fans there, but they've got that really cool video board up right uh facing throughout the game and in the end zones you've got virtual fans and i think it really does add to the experience not so much for the fans the virtual fans themselves but for the people at home watching i think it's really a cool look hmm. what, what 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 about the effect for the players though do you think the players notices something different i will say they don't unfortunately <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't well, that's good, actually. That's not unfortunate. That's probably good. Yeah, I mean, they're used to all kinds of crowd noise and signs and people cheering and people booing and all that stuff. So it's now boiled down to these video screens and you don't have the cheering and the you've got cheering. You don't have booing. And really, there's no right. advantage having home court advantage now, because mm -hmm. if you have home court advantage, you're in the same place as if you are on the road. So uh, the fans make have a huge impact on games. And I think actually we're seeing that some teams are coming out sluggish because they don't feel that adrenaline that they would normally get from a big crowd. Right. Yeah. Um, I was, I was always curious. Um, have you ever heard of a fishing attack or what that might be? <laughs> hear of a, water attack? a fishing attack. So somebody trying to get your information from Absolutely, your source. I do. I know that from the, uh, from the last presidential election is where I first <laughs> John Podesta, who was Hillary's uh, campaign manager, uh, was a victim of a uh, phishing attack. So I know what the, I know what they are. I don't think I've ever been. I mean, when I get an email that I don't recognize, I always look very carefully at the address to see if it's really who they say it is. Uh, and I don't click on anything that I don't know exactly what it is. So, yeah, I know what a phishing attack is. I don't think I've ever been a victim of it, thankfully. Yeah, never been called by um, the FBI saying you have an open <laughs> yeah. warrant for your arrest. You've got all your credit cards, yeah. I Yes. Sir. That's good. I mean, even, even, you know, regular folk can do the basic defense of making sure you know who it's coming from because oftentimes what you'll see is it's off by one letter you know instead yep. of best buy it might be best buy yeah, exactly. <laughs> by instead of buy or something silly yeah, like it's, that it's all trickery and of course yep. a lot of it is coaching my mom my mom will call me mm. and say uh, i just got this should i click on it is this real or not real <laughs> especially for older folks my mom is 78 years old yeah um, she's she's very very careful and i've coached her to be very careful about what she clicks on and what she actually uh, responds to yeah, and yeah I, that's that's awesome i imagine so, you've heard a lot of stories about folks though uh or you guys ever run into anybody you or john run into anybody that got uh, hit or something like that yeah we have a we have a mutual friend who uh all of a sudden started seeing charges showing up on his credit cards mm. that, 
about his uh, charge. Um, and in the end, it turned out that uh, somebody had somehow accessed it through um, a data breach. And I forget okay. which company, but there was a big data breach. And somebody got hold of this guy's credit card and was running up a bill. Yeah, you know, that raises you know the point. There's been so many. I think what is it? The Experian one lately or recently was everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. every working American. No, I don't my data has probably been breached. I'm sure yeah. anybody can hack me that wants to hack me. Yeah. Uh, so I I just stay low on the radar. I don't I don't want to be hacked. That's the big thing. Yeah, <laughs> stay and I think off, we got to <laughs> right. I think we got to clear up, Chris. That was Equifax. <laughs> So, Equifax, yes. yes, but but same idea, right? Um, exactly. Very cool. So, so, so Steve, I, I I did notice good when, when we were sort of researching this that I, I'm actually six days older than you. Oh wow! You know, so, oh, wow. So, so we're very we're very close, you know. Why, so, do, you look, um, why do you look so much better than me? <laughs> I, I don't know. That, I don't know. I don't know. That's the case, you know. But 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 in in my job, like um, I've worked in IT. When I first started working, we didn't even have PCs. Um, you know, things things were very different. And over the last ten or twenty years, things have changed dramatically for us in in our industry. I'm just wondering, in your industry, sure. what's what are some of the things that maybe you've seen have changed? You know, from when you first started, I guess. You know, uh, well, from when I first started, we've seen technological advancements, like. When I originally was a program director and a morning drive guy in Toledo, Ohio, um, we had these big tapes. What did, we forget even more than we call it. You know, yeah. the, you've got to splice and cut. Yeah. Um, and now it's all done digitally, obviously. Digitally is the way things are done. And the other thing I've noticed is there have been an elimination of jobs. Yeah. Uh, so for example, okay. sports at Channel 11. There was a time when there was a stage manager and a camera operator, um, and that has all gone away. All that stuff is operated remotely uh, from the back room. So you can go into the studio and never see uh, another human being and do a show uh, so, because it's all technological, uh, the technological advancement of these sort of robot cameras. So those are a couple of changes that I've noticed over the years. You wouldn't assume that that's the case, you know, no. it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, what do the horse poop scoopers do for a living now? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, right. Everything changes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You know, and you've been on radio for a really, really long time. Um, at some point, right, you and John started broadcasting and, and then those were actually being shown. So did it change for you guys a lot when you started actually broadcasting live the, you know, your afternoon shows and people could see you, not just hear you? Ah. Well, our goal was, because when you're doing one of those simulcasts, I mean, I, so I love radio. Radio is, is my love. Radio is what I'm most passionate about. Radio is what I've been doing since I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. They stick a camera in the studio and honestly, I'm still doing radio. Yeah. Um, it's got to be radio first and the television happens to uh, pick it up and broadcast it. But mm. I'm a radio guy uh, and radio is what I love. So I even when on camera, I was devoting myself to doing a great radio show, mm -hmm. which, by the way, we appreciate immensely. 
Um, you and oh, John, you John have a great rapport. I love you guys. So, um, yeah, no, it's good stuff. So have you seen just now kind of in this whole COVID thing, how stuff changed for you guys? You know, you know, you're working from home a little bit and having to interact more with guests, you know, remotely, like, how's that been? Uh, well, you know, one, first of all, we've been doing the show at our homes since the second week of March. Dang. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a little system here uh, that I've had in my uh, living room since the second week of March, and I've been doing the show from home ever since. I've not been to the studios, uh, so, and I don't know when they're going to actually let us into the studios. Right mm. now, it's all, uh, it, it's all sort of locked up in uh, local and public health officials. Um, yeah. And maintaining and and anybody that's a non-essential worker, and I can do my show from my house. Uh, it means I don't necessarily have to go to a studio. I miss it. I think there's a vibe and an energy that comes with being in the same room with people. But mm -hmm. we've adjusted to it. John and I, over the years, have worked together in separate studios for a long time. When John has traveled with the Lakers, right. he would do the show from Denver while I'm doing the show from LA, or he's in Boston, I'm in LA. Um, so we're accustomed to working without seeing each other. So for us, it's been an easy adaptation to actually do the show from our houses because we've already got that on-air connection that we've had for 26 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Longest crazy. My life by far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. But we love the billboards. So, yeah. Yes. yes. And by the way, that was, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but you guys had a naming contest uh, for stuff for what was going to go on the billboards and yeah, where they're yeah. going to be. I, that was very cool. I appreciated that immensely. So, yeah, it all got cut off by COVID. Like, I don't yeah, think exactly. no, I don't think any of them ever up. <laughs> we got our first billboards like in late February, and all of a sudden they're they're all coming down because of COVID, and everybody's locked up at home. But I'm sure they'll come back once life returns to some some level of normalcy. Exactly. So, so I I was going to ask you about COVID. I was going to ask how things might you know obviously things are different, but some things have actually improved in in our in our industry. I think some things have improved in the sense that, you know, we're not necessarily forced to be traveling so much and being in front. I'm just wondering, are there some good things that have maybe come from, from this, you know, you could see going on beyond, you know, when the pandemic yeah. is finished, you know? Yeah, there are two things. First of all, travel is one of them. I mean, I don't know why you get on a plane and fly yeah. to New York for a meeting when you can just set it up on Zoom. Exactly. And same thing. <laughs> but you see a lot of corporate travel exactly. uh, without question. And the other thing is, you know, it used to be that you needed a certain studio quality level to be a guest on uh, a television show. And if you look at cable news right now, yeah. everybody's on Skype. Like the bar is so much lower on quality of broadcast uh, mm. required. I don't normally, let's just say uh, NBC wants to talk to Ann Ramoyne from UCLA, the mm -hmm. uh, Normally, right. they would send a camera crew to UCLA, and they would have her live, and it would be in a uh, perfectly crisp uh, picture. Now, Anne Ramoyne just opens her computer and, and talks to it. And even though the quality isn't perfect, it's good enough. And I think we're going to see yeah, a lot exactly. more of that on TV once we get to normalcy. Right. Yeah, and, and people sort of forgive the little blops and, and whatever and fade outs or whatever, you know. It, it is interesting. You know, I, I, you, television is a, definitely a different experience, especially news television. Yeah, it doesn't need to be perfect anymore. It just has to be good enough. 
Yeah, hmm. exactly. <laughs> Has to be better than the waterfall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something, yeah. anything to watch. <laughs> so do you you think that that will change a lot for beat writers and guys who hit the recruiting trails and, and things like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it probably has to. Right now, for example, USC, Clay Helton, I don't think can go into any living room and close a deal. Yeah. He's got to do that virtually. Um, and I do think it will give coaches an opportunity to stay in closer touch with players. I mean, we've seen this really effectively. Uh, Clay Helton, for example, once a week has got the entire team on a gigantic uh, Zoom call and is able to talk to the entire team. Uh, <laughs> so I think we're going to see more stuff like that. Um, and yeah, recruiting is one of them. You can't go to somebody's house right now and recruit. You're going to have to do it all virtually. So yeah, it's, right. it's really changing everything and probably changing until we get some sort of vaccine whenever that happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that sort of segues into our, uh, some idea about um, artificial intelligence and what they're doing oh. with that to actually <laughs> find not only the chemical composition of COVID, but also yeah. Yeah. try some proteins and throw some proteins at it and see what happens or things of that nature. Um, so what are, your, what are your thoughts on AI as it relates to sports and the world in general and whether well, or not it's scary or, you know, Terminator level scary or <laughs> yeah, part you know, artificial. The machines will take over, right? <laughs> and it says that Terminator is a self-fulfilling prophecy and ultimately uh, the machines will gain uh, consciousness and will be able to run the world. The other part of me is just fascinated by it, fascinated by it. Like, for example, this Elon Musk uh, Neuralink. Oh, I can't wait to get one of those. <laughs> Signed me up yesterday. It allows you to have the internet in your head. Yes. For that. I'm totally up for that. Um, yeah, I, I think technology open, yeah. and, and wearable technology and embedded technology is going to be like a next level thing that we're going to start to see. Um, and I'm all in on it. I, I, If you give me a chance to have a chip in my head and <laughs> Be able to Google in my head what somebody's stats are. I will win every trivia game. For <laughs> Jeopardy, well, what? <laughs> that'll that'll change your fantasy league for sure, though, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that, I mean that sort of um, lends itself to now you have all this data that this chip is collecting, probably about your literal physical well-being that's going out there in the world. And how much of that data would you be okay with that company owning, doing stuff with to quote unquote? make humanity better kind of like what you would see with you know uber and lyft and you know airbnb and all the different modifications and, and changes they've made with the data that they have and i'm yeah. i'm sure they're super responsible with it um, but it's still data <laughs> i mean it's data that's out there and available yeah. now yeah so, i mean does it bother you does it concern you or is that one of those things that you know the cost is worth the benefit well, you know, I watched a documentary a few years ago called Terms and Conditions. Did you happen to see that documentary? It's about basically what you, by clicking agree, mm. you are giving away all kinds of rights. And I don't know anybody that reads that. No, no one rules. reads it. No, the only thing you read is that it's terms and conditions. <laughs> so, so I just assume everybody already knows everything about me. Facebook certainly knows about me, yeah, right? right. They, they're following every click. Um, and Google knows every keystroke, and we're creating a, a, a digital footprint for ourselves that, that will be used uh, to make us products. I think that's what people forget is in social media, for example, the product isn't Twitter. We are the product. Yeah, we are. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a really product. good point. I'm a top shelf product right there. <laughs> they're, they're selling us to yeah. advertisers. So um, I think sort of the uh, the horse has left the barn and we're all in this, uh, this era where we know that uh, big companies, tech companies are going to have our information and they're going to use it. But I don't know that there's anything I can do about it except uh, put that piece of tape over my uh, camera. Yeah, that's super yeah. awesome, right? <laughs> exactly. Is that something I should be doing, by the way? No, I for the interview, but should I normally have a piece of tape you over know, my camera? Am I being paranoid by covering up that camera? No. No, <laughs> you probably not. Absolutely not. <laughs> probably not. Being paranoid. Depends what you're doing with your computer, I guess. Yeah, or around your computer with a camera. Well, it's all uh, family friendly, but it yeah. is, uh, who turns it on? That's so a there, great there are there are ways hackers it turns out turns it on but there are there are ways to use your camera without that little fancy light that says I'm on being yeah. actually on so it right. can be on and your microphone can be receding without you having any idea yeah and that's you know part and parcel with phishing attacks where they get something bad on your system that does all that for them or they install it through a bad USB card if you find it on the ground oh look it's a 12 gig USB card woohoo I want to see what free apps I get yeah no <laughs> there are no free apps on things on the ground people yes <laughs> You guys are in this world. Why is it that if I just talk about, for example, shoes or I talk about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we had this this on our podcast, our last episode. It's the very same thing. Suddenly you get ads for it. I'm being stalked by my thoughts. Think about something now and I'm I'm getting ads for it. Who is listening to me? Chris Chris plays frisbee golf, or he calls it he calls it disc golf. golf. He just golf. <laughs> he calls it disc golf, but whatever. Um, but we talked about it on our podcast a few weeks ago, and straight away, I suddenly got ads on Facebook of people playing this game, and I'd never seen it before. You know, and wow. it's cool, isn't it? And all I had done is we talked about it, right? You know? wow. It's it's insane. Well, you know, it's like, and I think you you even had the experience where you were out running and you passed yes. somebody, and you guys just came in proximity, and then you got home and you were getting friend requests. Exactly. Yes, right. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Great. It that's, is. It is a little. Yeah, it's a little creepy, right? And that's the technology. We. I, I mean, I know this is what you guys do, but I, I think me and the average consumer, we have we have no chance here, right? I mean, <laughs> none. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but how bad is it really? I mean, if you're looking up, you know, blankets, and they're using it to sell us to. Yeah. I mean, none. We can't actually stop any of this. I don't think at this point, can we? No. Yeah, it's really. like you said, a lot of it has already left the building. So you're seeing it more in regulations, right? So you and I, we live in California. So we got the California Consumer Privacy Act that came yeah. out in January, right? This is part of the reason because people were getting tired of, hey, my data is out there and you can do everything you want with it. So trying to, to limit that. Um, we try to be the good guys, right, and and help people sort of develop these things that are going to get at least provide a little bit of a layer in sure, between, sure. you know. But yeah, when you talk about hey, getting connected, right, and having the Elon Musk thing, where do you kind of draw the line there on hey, I want to be know uh, know about these things, I want to be offered stuff, but I also want to maintain a sense of independence. Uh, it's a good question. I have an expression. What's new? What's next? Um, I use that in terms of the show. I use that in terms of pop culture. I use that in terms of teams when teams need to figure out what they have to do different to adjust in order to win. 
what's new, what's next. Um, that's what I want to know about technology. I want to know what the next thing is, and I want to be the very first guy to adopt it. Like hmm. I remember people laughing at me because I was on this thing called Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and John Ireland, my partner, was like, I will never yes, get Yes, I know. I remember. <laughs> and there he is on, on Twitter, uh, you know, six months later and, you know, with 100,000 followers. So, right. um, but I like to get to whatever the new technology is first and try it out. I'm happy to be sort of the canary in the coal mine on some of this stuff and give it a shot. Huh. <laughs> Instead of take my money away, take my data, just take it, make my life better. Have my data. <laughs> there it is. All in a platter. <laughs> Going back to sports a little bit, um, you know, U- U.S. sports always fascinate me because they're so metrics based, and I love metrics. Metrics is, <laughs> and statistics are a great thing. But is there any one particular stat that you would pay attention for that would relate to, say, team success that that, yeah. that, that you would focus on? You know? Yeah, I would focus on in baseball, and I, I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, everybody's got an ERA, right? Earned run right. average. Uh, and let's say your earned run average is four, four on the dot. There's another statistic called fielding independent pitching. It's called it's called FIP. FIP. And yep. FIP tells you what your adjusted earned run average is. So you may have a four earned run average in life. It may have a FIP of 2.50. Um, so you may be pitching a lot better than your earned run average shows. So I love that stack because it tells you what's really going on instead of the uh, superficial outlying statistics. Hmm. Okay, and that, and that probably relates more to like um, fantasy leagues and things like that. Oh, no, that, that, that actually, I, I use that to, to wins analyze baseball, wins and losses. You know, yeah. I know, what, okay. you know, what's, what's Kenley Jansen's fit? I mean, I know he's got a three ERA, but he's got a, 450 fit, which means he's not pitching that well. So I use that all the time when I'm following a baseball team, checking to see who's actually playing well beyond the sort of exterior um, uh, statistics that are more superficial. Now, the fit is exciting. I mean, does that go sort of relate to if you've got a guy like, uh, you know, Andrew Simmons playing behind you versus, say, you know, a rookie, that kind of thing? That's what. FIP tells you. FIP will tell you if the defense is letting you down, okay. uh, which happens a lot of the time. You may pit, be pitching really well. Yeah. Uh, you may not be hitting the ball hard off you, um, and things may be just falling your falling against you on a particular way. There's bad luck, uh, but FIP sort of uh, susses that out and tells you how you're really pitching. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing, no, by nothing the way, like how that. Numbers, how many numbers we follow in the game now, like. Um, I'm, I'm a big, oh, it's crazy. It's so for example, I, I do a podcast, right. Um, right. and I immediately, when I post a podcast, go and see, okay, how many downloads I keep track of the downloads. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I just, I just passed 5,000 downloads. <laughs> a great, uh, fantastic right. win. Um, you know, all that stuff. But I look at those numbers constantly. I look at my fantasy baseball numbers constantly i look at i study sports in a in a real way and i love to be able to look at it from a numbers perspective it doesn't capture everything it doesn't capture what's in an athlete's heart what's in an athlete's head what's right. in their makeup but it absolutely does tell me how they're really playing in objective terms yeah yeah well it takes the emotion out of it right so i'm curious steve just as, a, as we kind of wrap up a little bit um 
you know, we've, we're in the throes, obviously, the NBA playoffs, right, and everything going on there. What do you think is going to be the difference for whoever emerges out of that, you know, coming out of the bubble? What's the big thing kind of stat-wise that you're looking at? Uh, you're talking about the NFL or Major League Baseball? Uh, no, the NBA. So the, NBA, the, guys, okay. the guys in the bubble. Um, well, I think they're going to be relieved to get out of there. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It is, it is a long haul. And, you know, I've talked to guys, I've talked to reporters who are just burnout. My friend yeah. uh, Mark Stein from the New York Times oh, sure. was, was in the bubble. Yeah. Um, and he actually is taking a break. He left the bubble uh, and will come back for the NBA finals, but he needed a break because it was so you're you apparently you feel so isolated. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it was who was talking about uh, you know mental health issues. Um, you know, there's there's depression, there's loneliness, there's anxiety, all those things guys are dealing with uh, inside that bubble. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to ultimately emerge is a Lakers championship. That's what's going to emerge from the bubble. <laughs> I can tell by your hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my Kobe yes. jersey, my Kobe Infinity jersey. There you go. You know, it would be it would be appropriate for this year for sure. I mean, I know that, that, would, that was pretty devastating, you know, for us uh, in this area. So um, just. Kind of last thing, Steve, you know, and you just touched on the mental health side of it, right? And I know you've done a lot over the years on radio, encouraging people, being really open, being engaging. I think that's awesome. You've been super approachable out in front of the Coliseum the few times that we've been able to catch up. Um, What would you say to kind of the, and and I'm particularly thinking of my my 20-year-old daughter who's at, at U of A, my son who's graduating high school this year, you know, those kinds of things. What would you say to that kind of generation about just getting through this time and, and advice for, you know, kind of being able to to keep your sanity and, and keep moving forward? Because I know you've, you've obviously been through a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I was diagnosed bipolar one about 20 years ago, and that's sort of an ongoing, uh, I won't hmm. say an ongoing, Struggle, but I, I'm, I've got really good uh, mental health professional I'm working with and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, what I would say to what I would say to kids now uh, coming up is, you know, the rule that Ireland and I both had is don't get outworked. Hmm. Um, you know, you may not have the most talent. And I, I will be frank with you. I don't think I have the most talent. I don't think Ireland has the most talent, but we work really hard. Um, and so I'll spend three hours getting ready for a three hour show. Um, and, and yeah. it takes that level of commitment and that level of, uh, of, of work to be able to accomplish what we do every day. And so I would, th- that would be my piece of advice is don't get outworked because you're going to find yourself in a work situation. Don't let that other guy outwork you. Don't let that other girl outwork you. You be the hardest worker there. Um, the other expression I love is gossip is like the worst thing in a workplace. I can't stand it. Um, and our place has an unbelievable amount of gossip. He's doing the, he, it, this lineup changes. It happens all the time. And so I have a, I have a rule, head down, pencil up. I just keep my head down. I do the work. I don't participate in the gossip. Let others do that. But I would say don't get outworked and head down, pencil up. Make sure that you are focused on uh, the task at hand and don't get wrapped up in gossip. It's the worst thing that uh, that takes place in a workplace. That, that is awesome. 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 Yeah, we can attest to that, too, having been in a, a handful of meetings where that sort sure. of uh, rips things apart, right? Yeah. Um, well, good. Well, Steve, Matt, I, we have loved talking to you. Uh, thank you so yeah. much for, for the time and the insight. Um, we're looking forward to a great uh, Western Conference Finals, hopefully. And, yes. Uh, and being hey, able can to I get the podcast? Can you what? 
promote my podcast? Yeah, oh, go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Go for so it. My, my podcast is called Culture Pop. It's available at yep. stevemason.com. Uh, easy to uh, listen there or to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. There's a brand new podcast up with Brian Cranston. I spent about an hour uh, with Brian. It's fantastic. Um, I've got an Emmys preview on there right now. Sweet. It's a lot of pop culture. It's a lot of stuff that I would never get to do. Deepak Chopra has been on the show. Um, so it's the Culture Pop Podcast. It's available at stevemason.com. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Yes. And if you happen to be in the SoCal area between one to four every day during the week, right? Mason yeah. and Ireland on ESPN 710. So, and you can catch it online as well. That's how I listen to it. So cool, man. pretty fun. Cool. Yeah. So awesome. dude. Thank you so, so much. Best to you guys. Stay safe. We love having you. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. Absolutely. Colin and uh, Chris and Rob, thank you very much. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Thank awesome. you. It's yeah. been brilliant. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rob, as always. And thank you, Chris, as always. And super great talking to Steve. So. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having <laughs> us. Yep.